Well, um, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where we're looking at the last seven words that Jesus said while he was dying on the cross. And as I've said throughout the series, um, imagine you're dying. You, you've got just 10, 20, 30 minutes left. Probably those last words of yours are going to be really important. And what we're doing is, is we're looking at those last words, those last phrases of Jesus as he hung on the cross. The first word was the word forgiveness. Jesus looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The second word of the cross, and we looked at this last week, was the word assurance. Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And today we're going to look at the third word, which is the word family. Now before I uh, read the text, I, I want to I set up the scene. Jesus has been up all night long. He's gone through six trials. Three of them were Roman trials. Three of them were, were religious trials. And they were all bogus. They were just phony. And um, after he goes through these trials, he's taken out and he's just beaten to a pulp. I mean, he is a, a bloody mess. This beating was, was brutal. Then they took him and scourged him, and scourging was a lot like whipping, just way, way worse. Some of us have watched The Passion of the Christ, and there's that moment of time where Jesus is being brutalized. And as horrific as that is to watch on The Passion of the Christ, it doesn't even begin to capture this beating that Jesus went through. And if that wasn't enough, then they, they, they took this crown of thorns and they jabbed it onto his head. And so I'm sure he's got blood coming out of his nose. I'm sure it's coming out of his ears. It's probably coming out of his eyes. Obviously, his back is just ripped to a shred. His legs are all ripped up. And now he's got this crown on his forehead. And it's just, it's just a brutal scene. In fact, some of you have probably never thought about this, but Jesus had lost so much blood that he was dying well before he ever got onto the cross. He wouldn't have made it alive from the beating and the scourging. He's just losing blood. His eyes are all swollen. Some of us have been in fights, you know, at some point or another, and, you know, you get hit in the eye and your eye swells up, you know, and, I mean, he's just... He was so beaten, you couldn't even recognize who he was. Then there comes a moment where they lay him down and some Roman soldiers just hammered nails into his hands, and so now they're obviously bleeding. They took a nail and rammed it into his ankles, and, and they put him upright. I mean, this is just a, a horrific scene, horrific and to make matters worse, as Jesus is hanging there, you got a bunch of people down here that are, you know, mocking him and throwing insults at him and saying all kinds of crummy things to him, spitting on him, all this kind of stuff. And in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this pain, all of this sorrow, Right down at the foot of the cross is his mama and his best friend, John. 
And they're looking up at him, and I, 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 you just imagine the agony that was in their lives. All this is going around. The, you know, that cross is all nice and pretty, and it's, you know, wooden. The, the cross that Jesus was on, I'm sure, was just soaked with blood. I'm sure blood was running down the cross. I'm sure there was blood all at the foot of the cross. I mean, this is a, this is a horrible, horrible scene. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus looks down at his mother. He looks down at his best friend, and somehow he ignores the crowd. And in the quietness of that moment, he locks onto the eyes of his mama. <laughs> and he gives the third word, the word of family. So let's read it together. John 19, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, it's in your, uh, in your program, or it'll be on the, the jumbotrons, okay? It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the follower he loved standing nearby, and the follower he loved is John, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. Then he said to the follower, that's John, here is your mother. And from that time on, the follower, John, took her to live in his home. Now tradition tells us that Joseph, Mary's husband, had died years before Jesus was hanging on a cross. Okay, so Mary was a, a widow when Jesus was, was dying. And for the rest of her life, tradition says about 12 years, she lived in the home of John until she died. She had four other sons, the most famous of which was James. She didn't live in her own boy's home. She lived in John's house. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. Now these words, mother, here's John, your new son, and John, here's Mary, your new mother, they, they sound simple. <laughs> in fact, they sound really simple, but I, I want you to know these are some of the most unbelievable words ever spoken. They show us the compassion of God. They show us the mercy of God. They show us the tenderness of God. They show us the concern of God. They show us the love of God. I could easily just take these simple words and turn them into about a 52-week sermon. I, I could handle this little section of Scripture for the next year, 52 weeks, and I would just then begin to scratch the surface of all that's in these words right here. There's a lot we learn from them. Number one, it's obvious, you learn that you need to take care of your own family. You can't read these words right here and not understand how important it is for us to take care of our own family. Here we see Jesus with his last few breaths making sure that his mama would be taken care of. He's caring for his family. And if you name the name of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, you're called to be like Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter five, since you are God's dear children, you must try to be like him. 
Key word is try. You'll never be like him totally, but we're called as, as his followers to be like him. We're to think like him. We're to reason like him. We're to respond like him. We're to get involved in the things that he got involved in, and we're to stay away from the things that he stayed away from. Which means you need to care for your family. Here he is hanging on a cross. He can barely see. He's dying. And he's caring for his family. He's caring for his mom. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith, and such people are worse than unbelievers. <laughs> That's weighty, isn't it? Some of you have never read that. Or if you have, you, you've just tried to block it out. How many of you know what the fifth commandment is? You know, you got the big 10. Number five is honor your father and your mother. Doesn't say you have to agree with everything that they say. It says you're to honor them. And by the way, it doesn't say, moms and dads, you need to honor your children. It doesn't say that. What it says is, is that we're to honor our moms. And here's Jesus with his last couple of breaths honoring his mom, loving his mom, caring for his mom, giving us all an incredible illustration of what we're to do with our own lives. Let's honor our moms. Beloved, it's obvious that taking care of your family is an important thing to God, right? Which means it has to be an important thing to, to, to us. Now, let me give you one practical way you can care for your family, okay? And we see it in our story. One, one practical way to care for your family is to pay attention to them. We've all seen those movies, you know, those love stories. And guys, we, we dig these, don't we? Where, um, you know, there's this big crowded room and, you know, there's a dude on this end and there's a gal over there and there's all this noise and sound and music and stuff's happening and all of a sudden these two people kind of lock eyes. And all of a sudden, everything just kind of dies down. And you don't see, hear anything. And all they see are themselves. Oh. Man, that's why we like those movies, ladies. We do. <laughs> I don't know why. I got to have a good hand grenade. You know, I, if something blows up, man, I'm all over it. But <laughs> Well, this is basically what's happening in our, our story at this moment. Jesus is dying on the cross. He's in agony. And somehow he ignores all the people that are mocking him, all the scorners and the scoffers, all the critics. And he laser beam focuses in on his mama. He's paying attention to her. No, nothing else matters. He's simply looking at his mother and he's paying attention to her. In the midst of all the stuff, 
Because when you pay attention to somebody, when you look them in the eyes, what you're saying is, is that I'm listening to you. You're valuable to me. You're important to me. You matter to me. He's dying on the cross. <laughs> and he's looking at his mother in the eyes. He's paying attention to her. Mama, you're important. I value you. You matter to me. It's one of the practical ways that you can care and love somebody in your family. Now let me give you something really crazy to think about, okay? This was basically Jesus' last will and testament. Dear woman, here is your son. Then he said to John, here is your mother. This was his last will and testament. This is his last earthly task. He, he provides for his mother. He knew his mother was old. He knew his mother was poor. Knew she was going to be a widow in any, you know, was a widow. And in that culture, being a widow was not a good gig. He knew that his mama needed to be taken care of. So in the middle of all of his pain and suffering, he looks down and he says, John, I want you to take care of my mom. Mom, I want you to take care of my best friend. He knew that by putting them together, he was creating a relationship in which both of them would benefit. Here's my last will and testament. John, take care of my mom. Mom, take care of John. He knew that that relationship would be beneficial to both of them. Think about this. Jesus has nothing to give his mother. He has no inheritance. He has no money to give her. He has no home to leave her. He's homeless. He has no jewelry to leave her. He's only got one set of clothes and the Roman soldiers are down on the foot of the cross gambling for him. So what does he do? He gives her something way better than a house, way better than a car, way better than cash, way better than anything like that. He gives her the gift of caring. Mama, I don't have anything. I got nothing. But I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. He takes the person he trusts the most, John, and he takes the woman he loves the most, his mother, and he says, you take care of each other. Interesting, Jesus doesn't take his half-brothers and say, Mama, you make sure my half-brothers, your sons, take care of you. It's John. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You see, Jesus knew that Mary was, was human. She, she wasn't a god or anything like that. Jesus never got away and prayed to Mary. How ridiculous would that be? He knew that woman needed to be taken care of. He knew. And so the greatest gift that he could leave her, the greatest inheritance that he could leave her was I'm going to care for you. I'll take care of you. 
Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. It pleases God. Did you read that? It pleases God. Beloved, caring for your family is important. It pleases God. So the first thing we learned from this story is that you have to care for your family. That was kind of obvious, right? Number two. The second thing we learned from this story, and, and it's a way deeper truth than the first one, is this. You learn that other believers are to be treated as family. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother, Mary, and his brothers, remember he had four brothers, stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone said to Jesus, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. Now Jesus is going to use this moment to teach us all something, a a deeper truth, a weighty truth. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother, brothers, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, anybody who's a Christian, anybody who's a follower of mine, they are my sisters and my brothers. Beloved, if you're a follower of Jesus, that means every other Christian in the church is your brother or sister. We've all heard that that, uh, phrase, blood is thicker than water. I think that's true. But there's something even thicker than blood. And that's the spiritual bond because it's gonna last forever. You see, physical relationships may not last forever. People die, people move on, you get divorces, right? They don't always last forever. But spiritual bonds will last for eternity. I think it's one of the reasons why Jesus doesn't leave his mother in the hands of her four other sons. John chapter 7 tells us those four brothers of Jesus weren't believers. They weren't followers of Christ. They don't come to know the Lord until after the resurrection. Jesus doesn't leave his mother in the hands of his own brother. He leaves them in the hands of a believer. Because there's something weighty about a family member. It's a bond that will last forever, throughout all of eternity. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Just see if you can kind of get the sense of this. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your own mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. Do do, do you get the feel of what's happening there? Let, let, Let me talk to all the single guys out there. When you take a gal out on a date, listen to me, you just read how you're to treat them. You're to treat them with all purity, as if it was almost like your sister. I am so 
tired of hearing about Christian guys that take gals out and, and, they, and they, they act like pigs. I, I can understand unbelievers acting like that. I can. But not those of you that name the name of Christ. When you take out a gal who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, you're to treat them with all purity. As if, man, that's, that's my sister. And you're to treat her as such. And I know that's not all of you, but for those of you right now in the Holy Spirit's knock it off. Knock it off. You treat that gal with great purity, with great respect. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. Paul says in Galatians chapter six, when we have the opportunity to help anybody, we should do it. That's love, Modesto. When we got a chance to go help people, we ought to help people. That's what we ought to do. But we should give special attention to those that are in the family of believers. Obviously, we ought to help, and we ought to go out and let our good deeds shine before men, right? We need to do that. But you know what? There's, there's something really unique about brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we ought to take special care of them. Just like we're to care for our own bi biological families, God wants us to care for our, our spiritual families. Now, let me quickly share with you something that's interesting, and, I, and I, I talked about this. And that is the fact that Jesus doesn't leave his mother in the hands of his brothers. I want you to know, I spent a lot of time on that, thinking about that. You see, they weren't around the cross that day. Maybe they were off on a distant hill watching the whole thing go down. They weren't there. And part of it is they were probably scared that the Romans would grab them and say, hey, aren't you one of his brothers and let's throw you up there too, you know. He doesn't leave his mama in the hands of his own brothers. He leaves his mama in the hands of a fellow believer. And I wish I had more time to un unpack that. But. So the first thing we learn is this, is we learn that we gotta care for our own families, right? That's obvious. Number two, we learn that we're to do the same thing with our own spiritual families, right? We're, we're to care and love for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Number three, and we're just gonna keep going a little bit deeper here, okay? Number three, you learn that you must see other people's pain even when you're in pain. Here we have Jesus on the cross. He's in total agony. The, the pain must have been unbelievable. As I said, his face is swollen from the beatings. His back is all shredded from the scourging. His forehead is all ripped up from the crown of thorns that were shoved on his head. His blood is literally dripping down his body, and yet he still sees the pain in other people's lives. Isn't that, uh, uh, isn't that unbelievable? He sees his mom's pain. He sees his best friend's pain, he sees their grief, he sees their broken heart, he sees their pain, he sees their sorrow. And here's the deal, we're to do the same thing. 
The Bible says this in John chapter 16. Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. <laughs> That's the standard equipment in life. We're all going to have painful things happen to us, sorrowful things. We're all going to be, you know, kidney punched by life. We're all going to experience crummy things, painful times. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to keep our eyes open to the hurts of others, even when we're hurting. In other words, you've got to see other people's pain even when you're in pain. Now, this isn't an easy thing to do. It's not normal. You see, when you're in pain, when I'm in pain, the last thing you're thinking about is anybody else's pain. When I, you know, get sick and, and I got the flu and I'm on the toilet throwing up, man, let me tell you what the first thing I think about when I'm sick and in pain, the first thing I think about is you. Man, I wonder how everybody's in the church is doing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Man, when I'm sick, the neighbors know. I, I want everybody to know. I'm, ah, hey, I want my family to know. I want everyone to know. Man, I want the paper boy when he drives by to go, oh, man, what's going on in that house? I'm sick. Oh, man. I, th I thought about this. But Jesus says, Rick, I, that's how you are. But that's not how a follower of Jesus is. A follower of Jesus somehow sees the pain in other people's lives, even when they're in pain. And friends, you can't pull that off if you're not filled with God's spirit, can you? Because when you're in pain, what, what do we do? We all navel gaze. All we think about is us and our pain and our sorrow and our trials and all the crummy things that are happening to us. And yet here's Jesus, our example, on the cross, beaten to a pulp, dying, and he still sees the pain, the sorrow in somebody else's life. Listen to what the, 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 the Bible says. God says to those of us that are followers of his, don't be selfish. Yeah. Just take those three words. That's enough to wrestle around with for a while. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. God says your attitude should be the same as that as Jesus. In other words, God wants you to look around and see the, the pain and the sorrow in other people's lives, even when you're hurting. God's already told us in this life, we're gonna have troubles. There's gonna be pain. There's gonna be sorrow in our lives. It's gonna happen. And yet God says, I want you to have the same attitude that my son had. And when he was hanging on that cross, he wasn't navel-gazing. He could see the pain in other people's lives. And that's what we're called to do. Which, by the way, this is one of the great ways you get out of your own pain, not by wallowing in it, but by looking around to see if there's somebody else that needs your help. Some of you are in pain right now. I know it. Listen, I know it. Some of you have lost a job, 
and your heart is broken. Some of you have lost a loved one and your heart is broken. Some of you have lost a dream, you know, you, you started a business, you prayed and you invested time and energy, you invested your, your life savings in it, and it didn't work, did it? And you're brokenhearted over it. And I want you to know as your pastor, I, I'm just sorry, I truly am. It grieves me when other people grieve. I'm sorry for the grief that you're going through, but if all you do is focus in on your pain and your sorrow and your grief, you're never gonna get over your pain. You see, one of the ways you get over your pain is when you refocus and you see the pain in somebody else's life. If all you do is just navel gaze, woe is me, you know. It's just, you're just gonna get stuck. And I think one of the things that this, you know, last or this third word teaches us is that we gotta, we gotta see other people's pain even though we're in pain. Even though we're in pain. Yeah, you lost your job, but look around. Maybe there's somebody who's worse off than you. Yeah, you, 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 you lost a loved one, but maybe there's somebody who's worse off than you. You look around and you look for ways to refocus. You do your best to see other people's pain, even when you're in pain. But it doesn't end here. There's a fourth thing we learn from the story, and it goes hand in hand with number three, and it's even deeper. This is gonna go even deeper. It's going a little deeper here. Number four, you learn that you must meet other people's needs even when your needs aren't met. Oh, oh man, this one's huge. When you look at what's happening on the cross right here, you learn that you must meet other people's needs even when your needs aren't being met. Did you notice that in the story, Jesus doesn't look around and see his mom and his friend and say, hey, I'm sorry, I know you got needs. I know you're in pain and sorrow and you got needs, but lay, look at me. I got some needs too, you know. So you're just gonna have to wait and do that. Jesus doesn't say, I'm sorry, you know, my purpose is too important. I can't help you with your pain because what's going on in my life is way more important than what's happening in your life. He didn't say that. I want you to follow me on this for a moment. The most important task, the most important job, the most important assignment ever in the history of the world was happening on the cross. Jesus was dying for the sins of mankind. There's no other assignment, no job, no deal you're ever going to do that was more important than what was taking place on the cross at that moment. Jesus was dying for the sins of the world, the greatest purpose ever. And yet he stops and he meets some needs, doesn't he? So the next time you're tempted to say, oh, you know, honey, I'm just really busy down at work, I don't really have time. 
Is what you're doing greater than what Jesus was doing at that moment? Anybody want to stand up and say, oh, yeah, look, look, yeah, saving all of mankind, you know, compared to what I'm doing? But he had the time, didn't he? He had the time to meet needs, even though he was kind of, kind of busy, beaten to a pulp, hanging on a cross, dying for your sins and mine. He found some time. I want you to know, I was just really convicted this week. <laughs> you know, here's Jesus making time for his family. He makes time for his friend. He makes time to see their pain and their sorrow. He makes time to meet their needs. And just... I, I just had some interesting moments with the Lord this week. Can't even tell you how many times I've been too busy. <laughs> busy. I'm a busy guy. Hey. I know some of you run businesses, right? You're, you know, you got all these employees. Busy, I know. Jesus looks down and he sees the needs of these two people, even though he's in pain, and he still takes care of their needs. And by the way, this is the exact opposite of what the world teaches, of the world's values. What we're seeing here is, is kingdom values, Jesus values. The world teaches this, and it's a lie. The world teaches that the more important you are or the more significant your work is, the less you have to care about the little people or the needs of individuals around you. And I thought about this. If, if I was driving down the road and I blew a tire right out here, and all of a sudden, you know, President Obama's motorcade was coming down, what are the chances that the President of the United States would pull over and help me change my tire? He's too important. Jesus said, the greatest among you must be a servant. If you want to be great, you learn to be the servant of all. Jesus was the second person of the Holy Trinity. He was God's own son, Dying for the sins of the world. Pretty important job. And yet he sees the needs. And he meets those needs. Paul said this in Romans chapter 15. He said, we who are strong in faith should help the weak with their weaknesses and not only please ourselves. Let each of us please our neighbors for their good to help them be stronger in faith. Even Christ did not live to please himself. One version says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? When was the last time you went up to somebody at your job and said, hey, I was wondering, how, how can I help? How can I help you? When was the last time you went up to somebody in your family and said, hey, how can, how can I help you? When was the last time you went up to a neighbor and just asked that question, hey, how can I help? That's a great question. How can I help? 
Romans chapter 12 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Well, let me tell you what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to get up, not that anybody would do this, and walk out to your cars and go, wow, you know, that was a great message. It was a good message. I don't want you to go to your car and say, you know, that was decent. I don't want you to do any of that. Because if all you do is walk out of here and say, you know, that was a a good message. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. You see, God wants us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So to go to your car and go, wow, that was really, you know, really great. It's amazing how we took that little phrase and found a few things in that. So what? I want you to leave here today and go, okay, how do I do this? Lord, help me to figure out a way that I could care for my own family, maybe this week, in ways I never have. Maybe help me to figure out how to pay attention to my family members this week. If, if Jesus could pay attention with his bloody, swollen head, his back ripped to his shreds, and nails in his hands, and nails in his feet, taking his last breath, there's a, you know, I could probably find some time to pay attention to my family. Let you figure out how to do that this week a little better. Maybe try to figure out how do I care for my, my family differently, my small group differently, those around me differently, those in my family. How, how can I do that? Maybe you're going to walk out of here and you're in pain. You've lost a loved one. And as I said, I'm just bummed out for you. It just grieves me. I hate it when I see people in pain and all of that. But maybe today's a day you leave and say, you know what? I'm going to look for other people's pain. I need to see other people and what's happening in their lives. And sometimes it can be the people right in your own family. In the midst of all your pain, you've been navel-gazing so long, you haven't even seen the pain of your kids around you. You haven't seen the pain of your parents around you. I don't know. I I do it. (laughs) And maybe you'll leave here today and say, you know what? Is there a need I can meet? Even though I have some needs, you know? I don't know how I'm going to make my house payment this week. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got some needs, Lord. But in the midst of it all, I'm going to figure out how to go meet somebody else's need. That's what I want you to do with the message. Spend some time this week saying, God, you know, four simple things. Is there there something here for me that I could go do? Now, as I wrap this up, I I, I want you to follow me, okay? Jesus loves you every bit as much as he loves Mary and John. Jesus doesn't love Mary and John more than he loves you. The Bible says that God demonstrated how much he loved you by hanging on that cross. He loves you deeply. He gave John the the, 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 the best thing he had, didn't he? His mother. He gave Mary the best thing he had, and that was his best friend. And God loves you. And God sees your pain. He sees your sorrow. He sees it. And just like he gave Mary the best thing he had, his best friend. 
And just like he gave his best friend, the, the best thing he had is his own mama. He wants to do that in your life too. But here's the deal. It's hard for Jesus to pull that off if you're not at the cross. If you're not at the foot of the cross, it's hard for him to meet needs. If John and Mary hadn't been there, that would have been a difficult thing for him to put them together. It's when you're at the foot of the cross. It's when you're near the cross. It's when you're near Jesus. That's when he can do his best work in your life. That's when he can meet the needs in your life. But as soon as you skedaddle away and get far away, it makes it very difficult. And for some of you, maybe today is the day for you to say, you know what, I gotta get back to the cross. I gotta get back to Jesus. Because just like he saw his own mama's needs and his best friend's needs, he sees yours, he sees mine. And just like he met their needs and cared about them, he wants to do the same thing for you too. And for some of you, maybe today's the day, you know, if you know the Lord but you've gotten away, you just need to repent of some sin and say, God, I'm so sorry. I've been away and I've been doing my own thing my own way, but today I'm repenting of my sin. I'm coming back to the cross. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. Never. And here's this God who cares deeply about people. You can see it on this third word of the cross. And he cares about you. He's hanging there for you. And maybe you just need to say, Jesus, come into my life today. I want to have a relationship with you. We all have things in our lives and God sees them all. Let, let, let's say these four things out loud together. In fact, everybody stand up. Over in the venue, everybody stand up, okay? And let's say them out loud. Here we go. Number one, you ready? I learned that I need to take care of my own family. That was really weak. Let's do it again. Here we go. Number one, I learned that I need to take care of my own family. Number two, I learned that other believers are to be treated as family. Number three, I learned that I must see other people's pain even when I'm in pain. And number four, I learned that I must meet other people's needs even when mine aren't met. Now listen, listen. I don't know, you know, which of those four maybe is rattling around in your mind. I, I don't know. You know, maybe you're in a good place and you go, man, that was a good reminder and you're doing all those well. Praise the Lord for that. But I, I know that probably the Lord has spoken to, to some of you. And we have a room over in the venue and we have one over here called the altar room and our spiritual leaders are there to pray with you. And maybe you're in so much pain, you, you just haven't been able to see anybody else's pain. Would you let us pray with you? Let us pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I, I haven't cared one bit about other people's needs. All I've cared about is my own. Just go in there and confess it. The Bible says confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Today could be a great day of healing. All the people you'll meet in there, we, we, we've all wrestled with these things, okay? You're not gonna walk in and see somebody who's 
lived life perfectly. You're going to find some people who love Jesus deeply, have walked with God a long time, and will empathize with what's happened in your life. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I haven't really treated my family all that well. Let us pray with you. Maybe your marriage isn't going very well. Let us pray with you. Maybe you got a parent, your dad's gone sideways, your mom's gone sideways, grandpa's gone sideways. Would you, would you give us the privilege of praying with you? Praying for them? Maybe your teenager's gone haywire. Let us pray with you. That's what the altar room is for over in the venue and in here. It's just a place to, to, to hang out and, and it's a place for us to care. It's how we fulfill that second thing we've learned, that we care about one another, pray for one another. I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to come, and we're going we're gonna to care about a brother at another church right now. Last week I told you about Damien, Kyle at Calvary Chapel, and he's wrestling around with cancer. And he's our family member, just because he goes to another church. He, he's our family member. And we're going we're gonna to pray for him and lift him up to the Lord. Why don't you close your eyes, okay? Pastor Scott, why don't you pray?